0: Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this episode about the book, The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey. Keep listening to find out why trust and speed are related. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back. This is definitely one of my favorite and most used, most talked about, most quoted books that I use in the work I do if we haven't met yet the work i do is working with teams to help them be better teams and building cultures and helping teams have the conversations they need to which unsurprisingly more often than not comes down to trust so this book as you can imagine is hugely important in the work i do and really is important i think for any work and particularly for leaders going into teams or starting teams or moving into their leadership journey or developing their leadership journey, this book will give you plenty of food for thought about the concept of trust, which we all kind of instinctively know about, but maybe haven't really thought about in the level of depth that it requires. As usual, will be sharing the three big ideas and doing the reading so you don't have to, and filling you in on what you've missed from this book. I've really appreciated a couple of the messages I've received from people over the last few weeks who've been going back through some previous episodes and letting me know that actually that means that they didn't have to read one of the books that they had started but hadn't quite finished or that they had listened to one of the episodes and had decided to go and read the book properly off the back of the little teaser or taster that I had given them so that's awesome if you do have any feedback I'd love to hear it love to hear what you're reading at the moment all my contact details as usual are in the show notes and as a little gift if you'd like to support the podcast in some way You can leave a little review in Apple Podcasts if you're still listening on Apple Podcasts and haven't moved over to Spotify. Would really appreciate that. Without further ado, let's get into this book, Speed of Trust, and find out a little bit more about the book and the author. Stephen M. R. Covey is widely known as one of the world's leading authorities on trust, and he asserts that it is the most overlooked, misunderstood, underutilized asset to enable performance. Its impact, for good or bad, is dramatic and pervasive. It's something you can't escape. Thankfully, it is also the thing that can dramatically improve your personal and professional success. But why trust? The simple and often overlooked fact is this, work gets done with and through people. And the speed of trust offers an unprecedented and eminently practical look at how exactly to build trust, how it functions in every transaction and every relationship, from the most personal to the broadest, most indirect interaction. It specifically demonstrates how to establish trust intentionally so that you and your organization can forgo the time-killing bureaucratic check and balance process that is so often deployed in lieu of actual trust. A little bit more about the author. Now, if you find this name familiar, it might be because you are familiar with the other Stephen Covey, who is the father of this Stephen M. R. Covey, who was, of course, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and many other books. So this is his son. Stephen M. R. Covey is the co-founder of CoveyLink and of the Franklin Covey Global Speed of Trust practice, a sought after and compelling keynote speaker and advisor on trust, leadership, ethics and high performance. He speaks to audiences around the world. He is the New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Speed of Trust and the co-author of the number one Amazon bestseller Smart Trust. Over the years, Stephen has gained considerable respect and influence with the executives and leaders of Fortune 500 companies as well as mid and small sized private sector and public sector organisations he's consulted. Clients recognise his unique perspective on real world organisational issues based on his practical experience as a former CEO. Stephen currently serves on the board or advisory board of several entities and is a top thought leader in Trust Lifetime Achievement honoree from the Trust Across America, Trust Around the World. Stephen resides with his wife and children in the shadows of the Rocky Mountains. That's taken from speedoftrust.com and the little book blurb from just now was taken from Amazon. Links to all of those in the show notes along with some quotes and a couple of other links for you to check out if you're interested in finding out more about the work of Franklin Covey and some of the Speed of Trust activities and resources that you can download for yourself and or your team. All right, let's get into the three big ideas that I took from the book, The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey. Number one big idea is the Speed of Trust. This is the idea that trust impacts everything. And you can Put that into a bit of a formula because it especially relates to or impacts speed and cost. So when trust is low, speed is low and the cost is high. And on the flip side, when trust is high, speed is high and cost is low. A really good example of that is airport security. So post 9-11, when trust plummeted in terms of what people assumed that people were getting on planes to do, the trust went down so the speed of getting through and getting onto your plane, if you think about what was, uh, if anyone else was, was travelling pre-September 2001, you would know that actually getting through, getting to a, getting to an airport, going through and doing all the things you needed to before you got on the plane, didn't involve lots of security scanners, didn't involve lots of shoe taking off and all of the other things you have to do and liquid removals, etc. So it was much faster, so speed went down. And obviously the cost went up because that's a lot of extra infrastructure, people and equipment, that you need to to employ to actually to offset that. It's worth thinking about some of the relationships you've had as well. If you've ever worked with a, a manager or a leader who you just didn't get on with, you there was a, and that because there was a lack of trust, you'll know that doing anything with them took a lot more time because you'd often have to go and double check things. You'd have to put things in an email rather than having a quick conversation because you didn't trust it was not going to come back and bite you in the bum. On the flip side, if you think about someone you've worked with who you did have a great trusting relationship with, you'll know how easy and quick and painless it was to get things done and work well with them. Now, it doesn't mean, of course, that you have to trust everyone. There is a concept that's pretty well laid out in the book around smart trust, in that you're not being gullible, you're not just trusting everyone and and putting just a a rational faith in everything or every other person, but you're also not being overly sceptical and suspicious and not trusting everyone. This drives so much of our relationship quality. It links really nicely to the five dysfunctions of a team, which is the book by Patrick Lencioni. And so many of our issues, are actually come. they actually come down to low trust. And a lot of the work I do, you know, I go in and have a conversation with someone, they'll say that there's no accountability in my team, or we've got these other problems, or no one's having the conversations, no one's having hard conversations. It all comes down to low trust. It all comes down because you don't trust how the other person's gonna react, or you don't trust that, the other person's going to get the work done. And obviously with the mass shift to working from home that's happened over the last few few months, this has been a, a, quite a test of trust. And I know that from, from talking to some people and organisations, they've been surprised because actually they didn't trust previously their people to work from home, which in 2020 still baffles me, but that aside, they didn't, they didn't trust people to work from home. So when they were forced to, they were quite worried about it. But people have been saying oh, well, actually, people do work really hard when they're working from home or people, do, and they're, they're actually surprised by this. So hopefully this has increased trust. So that's big idea number one, the speed of trust and the relationship between trust, speed and cost. Big idea number two is the components of trust. And this is really interesting. This is the bit I find particularly fascinating is that in the book or the, the, the work that Stephen has done, he talks about trust is made up of two components, character. And competence and there's four cores of trust within that. So with character you're looking at someone's integrity and their intent and that's what you need to trust so that's the the kind of core components of this. With competence it's their capabilities and their results and in the book he talks about different ways of of looking at those, different ways of testing those and, and establishing the trust in someone's character or their integrity and their intent and their competence or their capabilities and their results. So if you think again of someone that you don't trust, it comes down to one or both of these things, their character or their competence. And I think a nice litmus test for this is someone at work who you maybe don't have a great relationship with, or maybe there's a low working trust relationship because you don't trust their competence. But would you trust them with your wallet or your plant or your cat or your child? Because that's more of a test of their character. The, the competence, it's really around their capability to do whatever it is that they need to do and get the results, whereas their character is a bit more human, a bit more internal and in, integral to them. Unfortunately, sometimes there are people we don't trust their competence or their character, but what I've seen often with, with trust is that we, we trust someone's character, and we hear this all the time, you will have heard this too, is, oh, they're not very good at their job, but they're a really nice person, so we don't want to let them go, or we don't want to give them the hard feedback because we really like them, we like having them around, they're a good person but they're not great at their job. And this holds us back from having some of those hard conversations sometimes. He also talks about the fact that every interaction we have with someone is an opportunity to increase or decrease trust from the trust account, or a little, I think of this is a bit of a trust piggy bank almost. So we we often will deposit things in and we, we, we will withdraw from those. But sometimes we need to add or deduct a trust tax from people or from interactions with people because of are assessment of their character or competence. So that's quite an interesting concept too to think about. But I like this idea that every interaction is an opportunity to build or withdraw trust from someone. But it's not just a case of withdrawing or building trust with that one person, because if other people are observing your relationship or your interactions with that other person, it can actually impact their level of trust with you. So for example, if you are calling someone out in a not very constructive or helpful way in front of other people, Yes, you will diminish trust with the person that you have called out, but obviously the people in the room are probably going to lose some trust with you as well because they're going to be thinking, well, oh, hang on, how long is it before they call me out? Or I need to now cover my back more and do all these inefficient things to cover myself because I don't want that to happen with me, to me, and I don't trust that particular manager or leader. So it's a really interesting one and thinking about those components, think about who you trust and the people you've got good and not so good relationships with. Is it character? Is it competence? And how to offset those if you need to. So that's big idea number two, the components of trust. Big idea number three is that trust looks different to everyone. And in the workshops I run where I talk about this or have used this previously, this is the bit that always opens up the most interesting conversations because a lot of us don't Put much thought to the fact that what trust looks like to me may look very, very different to someone else. And therefore, what will build trust with me may not build trust with another person or maybe be less important to them. In the book, Stephen lists 13 behaviours. I really like the way they're laid out in the book because you've got a little section for each of the 13 behaviours. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you on hooks, so I will tell you what those behaviours are. But in the book, there's a little section, little chapter on each of the behaviours what it looks like, how to build it, how to restore it. And it's really, really good and practical and very useful. Like you will see things in there in each of them. You think, oh, hang on. Yeah, I have fallen into that trap. Or, oh, that is important to me. And I hadn't thought about why that might not be important to someone else. So, behaviors. Number one is talk straight. Number two is demonstrate respect. Number three, create transparency. Number four, right wrongs. Number five, show loyalty. Six, deliver results. Number seven, get better. By the way, that's my most important one when I've done this work before. Number eight, confront reality. Nine, clarify expectations. 10, practice accountability. 11, listen first. 12, keep commitments. And 13, extend trust. So someone I used to work with when I went through this with them a few years ago now, they had number five, show loyalty as one of their most important trust behaviors for them. You showed loyalty you're pretty you're on a pretty good run with with that person for me show loyalty is not one of my it's, it's not even in my probably my top five or six it's probably way way down near the bottom not that it's not important at all but it is something that bothers me less let's say in the in the scheme of those 13 behaviors what i realized from working with that person when we had this conversation and, and debriefed that as a team was how things then suddenly made sense, why certain things that had upset or offended her in the past that I'd seen, not necessarily for me, of course, but for other people, why those things had touched a nerve with her much more than they maybe had impacted me or, or would impact me if that was if I was in that particular position. So for me this was a fascinating look at why and for other people they're not obviously for me as well. they knew that once they knew that get better, which is about, Improvement, continuous improvement and doing things better and finding better ways of doing things personally and and professionally Once they knew that they're like, oh that makes sense Why these sorts of things will be bigger topics of conversation for you when you're having feedback conversations or when you're Building an assessment of someone or if you're deciding whether to trust someone or not, then maybe for other people So doing these things will build trust so all, all 13 are important in some way shape or form Some will be more or less important to other people But doing all of them will build trust and they they can be practiced and changed, which is a big part of the book, that all of this can be learned, can be practiced. But like I said, some will be more important to some than for others. What's a deposit for one person may not be for another. And the other thing that is important is that withdrawals are larger than deposits. They will take longer to overcome and they will take longer to offset if you're making a big withdrawal of trust from someone. The other important thing, or the other useful thing of going through those 13 behaviors, is it can help you rebuild trust. So, if you have withdrawn a bit too much trust from someone, or someone has withdrawn a bit more trust with you, it's a great basis of a conversation to be like, hey, this is what I've seen, this is what has not worked for me, or has diminished the trust that we have got in this relationship. This is how we can, or here's some ideas, or here's some of the factors to actually help us get better at this. It's absolutely something you could use and, and self-serve with. You wouldn't necessarily always need someone to help facilitate that, although obviously I strongly recommend that. That could be an option for you. The, this is the book that you could actually use as a team, read, maybe even read different parts of it separately and then bring the ideas together. And, and would create a really interesting conversation. There's some resources and things on the website, which are uh, uh, on the Franklin Covey website, which I have put a link to in the show notes so that's big idea number three possibly the most important one is that trust looks different to everyone so don't assume what builds trust for you will build trust for everyone else so there we go the three big ideas from speed of trust by stephen m r covey number one the speed of trust number two components of trust and number three trust looks different to everyone If you've read this book if you've used it if you've discussed it in your team I would love to hear from you this is the kind of stuff that I love to geek out about as you've probably realized drop me a note all my contact details as usual as usual sorry i got too excited are in the show notes and I'd love for you to connect with me on LinkedIn or on Instagram my probably two favorite platforms for connection but otherwise until next time happy reading